Okay, today we are ready to jump back into our study. We are in the book of John chapter 14, but we're back down in verse 15. We're going to finish up uh, where we started last week. Let me tell you something. We all go through hard days. Can I get an amen? Whether you're dealing with a sick family member, whether you're dealing with personal injury and pain, whether you got a brand new job and you're trying to find your place in it, whether you're newly married and you're trying to figure out what that looks like and how that feels and, and how you work with that situation, there are hard days that come into all of our lives. Can I get an amen? It is the truth. But you know, there's a wonderful thing about God's word. God's word promises us comfort for hard days. There is comfort for hard days for any who will seek it out from the Lord. So John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. Now Jesus is coming to the end of his earthly ministry. He is about to go and be betrayed, but he wants to leave the disciples with three comforts. Three amazing comforts that will help them as they go through both his abduction, his trial, his crucifixion, and the wait for his resurrection. It's in John 14, 15. There is another counselor who was promised. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. This is something he has been stressing. A believer is not someone who thinks it. A believer is someone who does it. If you think something but don't do it, then you really don't believe it. If you believe it, you will carry it out. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Counselor. Let's stop right there. This word is very important for you to understand. Parakletos in the Greek is a word that not only signifies someone who gives wise counsel, not only gives you comfort in the midst of that counsel, it's someone who is a mediator between you and someone else. Sometimes we feel like God's mad at us. Sometimes our life has gone a little bit left of center or we've done something we shouldn't have done. We've been somewhere we shouldn't have been. And we feel like God is mad at us. Now, the disciples had Jesus in their presence to remind them of God's grace and mercy. When you're here on Sunday morning, that is my job. I'm the parakletos. I'm here to advise you, to counsel you, to mentor you, and to comfort you. But what happens when you're on the job? and there's no other Christians around? What happens when you go to school and there's no other Christians in your class? What happens when you get out there in the world and there's no physical reminder of God's presence in your life? That is why Jesus says the Father will send you another counselor, another parakletos, someone who will be with you in the midst of all of it. And it says this counselor will be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and he will be in you. An interesting promise. An interesting promise. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. So this promise of one who will remain with you and in you is very interesting. In Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, it says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now think about this. I'm not picking on any denominations today. I'm simply telling you the truth. There are those pastors out there, those churches that teach you that the Holy Spirit can come 
and the Holy Spirit can go. They will tell you that you can have your salvation today, and if you go home and disobey your husband, you lose your salvation. There are those churches that teach you, you can go to work in the morning, and your boss is cruel, and you drop a hammer on your foot, and you let fly with some colorful explanations of your feelings, and that you lose your salvation over it. Here's the thing, that's not what the Word of God says. Jesus is talking to men who are fallible, men who have failed him, men who will fail him, especially Peter. And he says, this promised counselor who is being sent to you will not only be with you, but he will be in you. Now, last week we talked about Jesus being this imprint of the father, this exact copy. Now, here's the thing. In those days, when you belonged to a family, you wore a signet ring, and the ring signified that you belonged to a family. When you get married today, you put on a wedding ring. This says you belong to your dearly beloved. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, there are some men who can't wear wedding rings. There are some men whose work would be dangerous if they wore wedding rings. Soldiers don't wear them because it's really a good way to get your finger ripped off especially paratroopers. So they wear a little bitty silicone band that looks like a ring, but it's not, that's easily torn off. Just because you don't have the ring doesn't mean you aren't married. Can I get an amen, ladies? Just because you're not wearing your ring doesn't mean you ain't still married. But here's the thing. There is a seal on every believer that we cannot see. There is a seal on every Christian that, believe me, Satan can see. He can see that you are sealed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you think the devil is not afraid of anything, you are wrong. The devil is afraid of every believer because on the life of every believer, in the spiritual soul of every believer, is the mark of the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is power. Even if you flub up, even if you mess up, even if you screw up, it doesn't matter because you are still sealed with God's love. You are still sealed by the Holy Spirit. You cannot lose your salvation because you didn't win it. It wasn't like a lottery pick. You didn't go out there and be good and then God gave you salvation. Then you go out there and be bad and God takes it away. That's not how it works. Salvation is yours because God has chosen to set his love on you. Do you understand how important that is? You are loved by the God who made all things, and he has put a seal on your life because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to be dead in a very short period of time. His believers are going to panic, but he's telling them, if I go away, when I go away, God is going to send another parakletos, another paraclete, another one who walks beside you. The name for the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. Literally, para, to call, clete. Beside, call beside you, one who is called to walk with you, to be in you, to strengthen you, to guide you. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not just to give you gifts. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give you wisdom, to give you insight, to give you teaching, to give you instruction. So understand, he is offering them an important gift. Everywhere that you go, church, you carry the seal of the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer, you are sealed. Every spiritual being can see it. They can see on you the mark of God the Father. Now, do you know how important that is? You don't have to be afraid of demons or spirits or evil things. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. 
The devil already lost at the cross. He's defeated. The only way he can affect your life is if he convinces you that he has power and he doesn't. Why? Because you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, those churches that preach the nonsense of losing your salvation, I'm sorry, they must have skipped this part of the book of John. Because this says he remains with you, not if you're good. It doesn't say he remains with you when you're perfect. It says he remains and he will be inside of you. He will indwell you. That means you have the power every single moment of every single day to choose to follow Jesus Christ because he gave you that power. Remember before we talked about it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. If God wants you to do something, he's going to give you the ability to do it. Charles Stanley said it this morning. He says, when God gives a gift, the purpose of the gift is to strengthen the church. That's why I have the ability to stand up here and with no filter on my brain whatsoever, tell you exactly what the word of God says, irregardless of hurting your feelings or stepping on your toes or whatever else I may do. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not responsible for how you receive the truth. If I pervert the truth or, or twist it somehow, God will hold me accountable and give me a good whooping over it. But as long as I'm telling you the truth, I have nothing to fear. Can I get an amen? This says the presence of the Holy Spirit is your guarantee unto salvation. You see, in those days, you could sign a document and you could seal a document and that document was binding for all time. One copy was given to the person who had the, who had the agreement. The other was put in the temple for permanent keeping. Now think about this. You have an inheritance in heaven because of Jesus Christ. Can I get an Amen. Now, there's nothing that can take that away from you. That has been sealed. It has been set in stone. It is preserved forever in the halls of heaven. Your name is in the Lamb's book of life, and nothing can erase that. The only thing that could ever erase it would be if you cease to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you are truly a believer, that will never happen to you. That will never happen to you. So he has promised them another counselor. This is important because he's not going to be there to counsel them. But look on. There's another promise. Another teacher is promised. John 14, 19. In a little while, the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That indwelling, that moving together, that being together is that unity we have with the Father. God is not someone who's far off. He is as close as the very breath in our lungs. God the Father, God the Son, unseparable, inseparable, unremovable. And now that spirit, that third part of the Trinity is in you. You can't be separated from the love of God or the presence of God or the strength of God. Now think about this. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Okay, part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus to us. We were not blessed to be here when Jesus walked the earth. We were not here to see him physically. But now the Holy Spirit reveals through the word and through the spirit exactly who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. Here's the thing. I've heard churches talk about ongoing revelation. Sorry, I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. 
Jesus has revealed everything to us that we need to know for salvation and to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to remind us of what Jesus said so that we can continue to live that out. There's no secret revelations anymore. You have the Mormon church, and the Mormon church has the first president, and the first president is like the one talking to God. And God tells him, you know what, I've changed my mind. I used to do this, and now I'm going to do that. And the first president's job is to tell the whole Mormon church, hey, God changed his mind. This used to be true, but now this is true. And they believe it. They believe that God changes every time there's a whim of nature. But the Bible says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? God doesn't change. His love doesn't change. His expectations don't change. In the day of Jesus, faith in Christ was the only way to salvation. Guess what? 2,000 and some years later, that has not changed. Can I get an amen? Jesus said, when the new counselor comes, he will dwell in you. You will be sealed by him. And guess what? 2,000 and some years later, that has not changed. I don't care what a church says. I don't care what a denomination says. If the word of God says it, I believe it. And that settles it. Can I get an amen? That's the truth. You don't have to believe me. Believe the word of God. Because it's written right there. In a little while, the world will see me no longer. Jesus says he's going to die. And then he says, I will, I will be loved by him and he will reveal himself to, the, to you. Now it goes on in verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Ah, the age old question. Why can't we all see Jesus? Why can't we all know the truth? Why doesn't God just call everybody to salvation? Well, he already answered that question earlier in the book of John. John said this, John 10, 26 through 28. But you do not believe, speaking to the Pharisees, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The ones who belong to Jesus, the ones who have been given by the Father, will respond when that voice calls. When my wife calls me on the telephone, I don't have to look at caller ID to know who it is. You know why? Because when I pick up that phone and I, and I answer, hello, she says, well, hello, Snuggums. How are you doing today? And I go, hello, baby. And I know who it is because I know my wife's voice. Amen? Amen. Now, y'all know when your wife calls you, don't you? <coughs> Whether they say, hello, baby, or hey, stupid. Whatever they happen to say at the moment, we know it's them because that's how they talk to us. When God the Father talks to us, when the Son talks to us through the Holy Spirit, we know it. We know when God is pushing our hearts. We know when God is moving us forward. We know that. Now, sometimes we choose to ignore it because what we're feeling makes us uncomfortable. What we're feeling pushes us outside our comfort zone. But that still, we know it's God calling us. And when God calls, y'all need to give up because like I told you before, God never shuts up. When God calls, he calls, and he calls, and he calls. Like a baby crying at 3 o'clock in the morning. You can lay in that bed. You can think to yourself, no, Lord, I do not hear my child crying. But guess what? That child's going to keep crying till you get up or till you butt push your wife out of bed and let her do it, whichever one makes you happy. Anyways, 
Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. He said this now like three times. When God says something once, believe it. When God says something twice, you better listen. When Jesus says something three times, hello, you better underline it and figure it out. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. There you go. Make our home, our dwelling. The word for dwelling is the word tabernacle. Remember in the Old Testament, when the, Jew, when the Jews left Egypt, they built the tabernacle. That was the dwelling place of God where they would go to meet God. Then they had the temple. The temple was the bigger permanent tabernacle that stayed in one place. Well, guess what, people? There ain't no more temple because you are the tabernacle of God. You are the dwelling place of God on this earth. God does not dwell in a building. He does not, build, does not dwell in a temple. He doesn't even dwell in the Holy Land of Texas. He dwells in the heart of every single believer, even those people that are Yankees. God dwells in the hearts of Yankees. Go figure that one out. Anyways, think about this. God doesn't need a house. He has you. You're the house. You're the tabernacle. You're the dwelling place. Isn't that amazing? God chooses to dwell in you so that you can never be separated. Sometimes the Jews had to travel three and four days just to get to the temple to celebrate God's goodness. We don't even have to come to church to celebrate it. We come to church to celebrate it collectively. We come to church to be reminded. We come to church to be taught. We come to church because we want to be the iron that sharpens iron. But the God, the Father, is in you constantly talking to you, teaching you, moving you, shaping you. The one who doesn't love me will not accept my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. Understand, you reject Jesus, you reject God the Father. People don't get that. You can reject a pastor's words. That's fine. But if the pastor is speaking the words of God Almighty, it's not the pastor you're rejecting. It's God Almighty you're rejecting. You reject Jesus, you are rejecting Yahweh God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. There again, he's telling them, my time's running out. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Now think about this. Jesus has died. We're post-Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's come. They begin to write down the Gospels, write down the words of Jesus. How did they get it right? Now, uh, worldly scholars say, well, so-and-so wrote the first one, and everybody else, they got a copy of it, and then they rewrote it in their own words, and it was all from one person. No. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer. Every one of these men who heard the truth had the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to begin to repeat and to write down and to pass on the teachings of Jesus. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us remember those things. Remember it says uh, in, in that hour, don't, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't be worried. In fact, it's, Ma it's Matthew 19, it's Matthew 10, 19 through 20. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are going to say. For what you are, what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, 
For it is not you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. When the disciples were delivered to judgment, when they were beaten, when they were scourged, when they were put to death, the Holy Spirit was speaking through them so that everybody could understand the words of God. You've heard of the gift of tongues. You know what the gift of tongues is? The gift of tongues is the ability to speak another earthly language so that somebody who is not a Jew, not a Gentile, not not a Greek or Latin speaker could understand the gospel. Okay? Glossolalia is the Greek word. It literally means a known language. When the day of Pentecost came and, and the glossolalia spread among the 120, they weren't babbling. They were not speaking to angels. The angels already knew the truth. Who were they speaking to? Everyone in Jerusalem says, Behold, I hear the gospel in my own language. That's why the gift of tongues came, so that men who had never studied a foreign language could now speak of Jesus openly, so that everywhere they went, they could proclaim Christ crucified. And it was not because they went to school. It's not because they got a degree. It's because God made it possible after the day of Pentecost for them to speak the truth of Jesus openly. That's what the gift of tongues is. The ability to speak without study those words of Jesus. And missionaries will tell you there are times they have been in foreign countries. And yes, they've studied the basics, but they didn't have enough to communicate the gospel. But in the moment that they needed it, God gave them the words, gave them the knowledge, gave them the understanding to explain Christ to those around them. That's the gift of tongues. That's the gift that the Holy Spirit brings. But he also makes it possible for a 21-year-old girl to teach a Sunday school class. He also makes it possible for frail men and women to serve him in his church, to do amazing things, to be able to go out to a world where people don't really care and yet make an impact in the lives of people. The counselor comes, the Holy Spirit, the Father who sends him in my name, he will teach you everything and remind you of what I've said. That's why it's so important to know that the Holy Spirit is necessary. People read the Bible and they go, this doesn't make any sense to me. Of course it doesn't make any sense. Until you have the Holy Spirit, this sounds like drivel. It sounds like some kind of bad novel. It sounds like some kind of disjointed story. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit in you to interpret it to your soul, to your spirit. People study the Bible as literature. I've taken those classes. And they dissect the literary style, or they dissect the imagery that's used. But when you do that, you ignore the fact that these are God-spoken words, communicated through the power of God's, of God's presence to make it possible for the prophets and those to write those words down accurately so they would have them down to this day. And that's the important thing. So you see, Jesus promises another counselor, another parakletos, one to walk beside them, one to be inside them so they would never be alone again. He promises them another teacher, one who will continue to explain to them all those words that Jesus says. You ever wonder sometimes you read the Bible and something doesn't make sense to you? And you go, but Lord, I don't understand that. Pray for understanding. You have the Holy Spirit in you if you are saved. It will make it possible the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, will make it possible for you to understand 
what is being said in the Bible. I could explain it to you, but I'm not always there. I'm not omnipresent. As I try to tell my wife and daughter all the time, I can only be in one place at one time. And being a frail man, I can't always do everything. There you go, an admission of guilt. All right, let's move on to the final point. There's also something else he promises them. They are getting frightened. If Jesus is removed, what's going to happen to them? If they have no more teacher, no more master, no more leader, no more parakletos, no more one to walk beside them, what will happen to them? What will happen to the three years they have invested? Jesus promises them another peace, a different kind of peace. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. Man, all you have to understand for this is the whole book of Joshua. Again and again, Joshua says to the people of Israel, do not be afraid, because God keeps saying to Joshua, do not be afraid. If I'm here, it's no problem at all. Think about how Israel was. Moses led them out of Egypt, and the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory, went before them, both the fire at night and the cloud by day. They followed the cloud, they obeyed Moses, they were good. They had come to the borders of the promised land. Moses was not allowed to cross the river because he had disobeyed God. Now their physical leader is gone. When they cross over, the Shekinah disappears. The manna disappears. This provision for the wilderness is no longer necessary. All those physical signs are gone. All that's left is the Ark of the Covenant. What are they going to do? Of course they're going to be afraid. But again and again, God says, do not be afraid. Consider this, Deuteronomy 3, 31, 6. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you. It doesn't say anything about Moses or the Shekinah. It doesn't say anything about the physical symbols of God's presence. It says the Lord himself will be in you and go with you and lead you. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't leave it to earthly leaders who sometimes fail, who sometimes falter. I've known many good pastors whom age and disease have taken out of the race. They're no longer able to preach. They're no longer able to teach. They're no longer able to stand because age has taken its toll. And God continues to raise up young men, young women to preach and to teach the gospel. He continues to call new people up but sometimes the church gets fearful when the old leader is gone. But the old leader isn't the leader. God is the leader. Amen. Now, don't get a look on your face. I ain't going nowhere. My kids still got three and a half years of school, so I ain't going nowhere. You're still stuck with me. But the thing is, I'm not the important person. Amen. The word of God is the important person. The presence of the Holy Spirit, that's the important thing. That's what leads on. This church has been here in one form or another for 175 years. Why? Because the people were great? Because the people were amazing? Because the messages were exciting? No. The church stands because God stands. The church stands because Jesus is still about saving souls. That's why it stands. That's why we will continue to stand. 
you have heard, you have heard me tell you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. Jesus says, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be with the Father. I'm going to be right there. I'm going to be an advocate, a parakletos. I'm going to stand there and I'm going to lobby for you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be available to you from the very halls of heaven. You should be glad I'm going. He's told them, I'm going to go away and make a mansion for you, make a dwelling place for you. And then when your life is done, I will bring you to myself. And that's where you will be. That's comfort. That's the comfort. I told you, Christians should never be afraid of death. Because if Jesus doesn't come back, we all going to die. And that's okay. Because that's the world we live in. And if I know the Father's waiting on me, if Jesus is there to take my hand, I'm not too scared. Amen? Nobody wants to go out in a terrible way. Nobody wants to go out with, you know, lingering disease or anything. But I mean, death itself is nothing to worry about. Because we know who's on the other side of that door. We know that when our eyes close here, our eyes open there, we're going to see Jesus first thing and we're okay. We're all right. He says this, I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. Many times the Gospels record this, and the people remembered that Jesus had said this when he was still with them. You see, he said a lot of things, but they didn't catch it. They didn't get it until later. Later they got it. Later they understood, but he told them the words so they would know he had told them correctly. Then they go, yep, Lord said this was going to happen, and here it is. If he was right then, he's right now about what awaits us together in heaven. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, I am going away so that the world may know that I love the Father. Just as the Father commanded me, so I do. Get up. Let's leave this place. Let's get out of here. Jesus says, peace i leave with you. I told you in Hebrew, peace is shalom. Shalom is wholeness. It is wellness. It is the prosperity of mind and body and spirit. It is completeness. Many of us have prosperity. Many people have prosperity and they have wealth and they have possessions. But how many people that you know outside of believers have true peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of their spirit. I mean, I know lots of wealthy people. I mean, people who are, who are, they're getting their masters, they're getting their PhDs, and they're making a lot of money, and, and they're really prosperous, but they have no peace. They're frantic. They're frantically searching for some sort of meaning outside of what they can do in a classroom. Isn't that sad to think, especially as I get older, I begin to think, you know what? People prize all the wrong things. They prize all the things you can't keep, all the things you can't take with you, all of the things that don't matter. I go to museums, and you will go to the ancient history part, and you will see swords of the Roman Empire. You will see chariots of the Egyptian Empire. You will see all of these artifacts, and what are they? They're old, they're broken, they're rusted, they're no longer useful. There's a lot of devices from the 10s and 20s, you know, the 20th century, you know, they're like 1910, 1920, 1930. Uh, I've, got a, I've got an old uh, military rifle from 1944. It's, it's, a, it's in great shape, but I wouldn't shoot it because it's that old. It's been around for a long time. I look at it and I go, this is from a different age. But you know what? 
Age takes its toll on all physical things. But you know, your spirit never has to age. Your peace never has to leave you. You may not have the things you had when you were younger. You may not be able to do the things you used to do when you were older. I think it was a very wise man who once said that the only danger of being an old man is thinking you can still do the things you did as a young man. And that is the truth. When we try to do at 50 what we did at 20, we find out very quickly that we are 50 and not 20. Uh, the body goes, but the peace remains. There is still peace in our heart no matter where we are in life, no matter what we face. He says, get up, let's leave this place. It's time for Jesus to go and face the music. It's time for him to finish it off. And that's why we end with Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the very thing that was promised on the night Jesus was born. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward the men on whom his favor rests. Not peace between men, that's never going to happen. But peace between God and his estranged children, us, that was what was promised on the night Jesus was born. It's the very thing Jesus leaves them with now as he goes to take his place on the cross. And that for me is amazing. That's the promise we can all take with us. Every day, every situation, whether we're dealing with hospice care, whether we're dealing with another doctor's appointment, whether we're dealing with physical therapy, no matter what we're dealing with, that peace remains because Jesus remains. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. 